Our text today is Hebrews 8, 8 through 13, as it continues from last week's 1 through 8. All of chapter 8 is about Jesus and his superior priesthood to that of Levi, to Moses and Aaron. But before we begin by reading the text, let's open in prayer and commit this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness, grace, your word, its light, majesty, authority for us, for our lives, for our our obedience, our witness, Lord, for our growth in Christ. Bless us to all those ends as we study your word together and prepare for the day and for the week ahead. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 8, 8 through 13, hear the word of God. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. They shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant... He makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Amen. May God bless this reading of his word to our hearts, minds, and lives. Amen. Well, this is kind of an analogy between analog versus digital. For those of us who've been around a while, we remember the the analog days of simple devices, that did simple things. Now we have devices that do very complicated things very easily. Uh, for those who can remember, uh, remember having to buy 45 LPs back in the 60s and early 70s. Those little records that when you found a favorite song on the radio, you had to run to your, the store and go through all the 45s and buy that single that you like so much, and then you had to play it on um, a record player back at home. We thought we'd died and gone to heaven when eight-track tapes came around, but then even those were pretty bad because you had a favorite song on the whole tape. You had to you had to play that section and then skip around and, and sit through some songs you didn't like to hear it again. And then came the cassette tapes, which were wonderful because now we could rewind and fast forward and stay where we had been and play something over and over again and record stuff on blank cassettes. It was just getting better and better, but we had no idea even back in those days what was coming. Now we download onto our devices from the cloud, from from midair, from from thin air. Um, Every song known to man you can get as you're walking down the street. You don't have to go into a store. You don't have to um, go to the store and buy something um, other than your phone, I suppose. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing new age of technology. 
remember those little planes on strings, the little engines that we used to put on the end of a string and turn around and fly them in the air. Now we have drones that we control wirelessly and they can they have video cameras on them and can video where they're going and where they've been. It's an amazing new thing. And I was thinking about that as uh, this passage, uh, really all of Hebrews 8, but particularly this passage of the Old Covenant with Israel, the New Covenant uh, with the church, um, how the Old Covenant was very visual, very um, material, um, and how the New Covenant is spiritual and eternal and with unseen uh, realities that are greater and better than the old ones. There are similarities, obviously. The Old Covenant was based on visual representations of God in heaven and our in our redemption. Um, the New Covenant is based on spiritual realities um, that the Old Covenant merely pointed to. Um, in the Old Covenant, you had salvation based on the anticipated work of Christ. It hadn't happened yet, but it was it was looked forward to. Now in the New Covenant, we're, we're based upon Christ's finished work of redemption, and it's much better. We don't have to do all the visual representations anymore. No more sacrifices of animals. No more shadows. No more um, insufficiency um, when we worship God together. And so our, our text goes in that direction um, our, our writer finds fault now with them, the Old Testament priests, the Old Testament community, uh, when he now compares the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And it goes directly to Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. And so this, this text is actually a, just, a, just a, an exact quote from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant, where God himself anticipates this coming, this coming New Covenant that he will initiate uh, with his church. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, it's interesting here, that word establish, uh, it's in the future tense, obviously, I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel. Uh, It means to complete or finish, but also it means to close on. And I immediately thought of, you know, when you close on buying a house, you go to closing, and here it's even in the same context with the house of Israel. I, I will uh, I will close on a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the, with the house of Judah. I just thought that was interesting language based on what we know today about bringing something, bringing a contract to conclusion. Uh, and in this sense, beginning a new contract that's better uh, and closing on the old one. <clears throat> So a new covenant's coming uh, with the house of Israel through the house of Judah. Notice how it's not through Levi. The Levitical, the Levitical priests administer the old covenant to the worshipers of Israel. But another priest, our Lord Jesus, comes from the house of Judah, the son of God, and he administers uh, a better covenant, uh, a supreme covenant, a perfect covenant. So just a few more of the examples of the differences between Old and New Covenant. The Old is through the 
the tribe of Levi and the Levitical priesthood, the new covenant through the tribe of Levi, through Jesus, the king, and the priest of the church. Uh, in the Old Covenant, you had uh, a physical departure from Egypt. And in the New Covenant, we, we leave the old, we're remade. Uh, it's really a reference to our sanctification, becoming more like Christ. We leave the old and, and grow toward the new. We put off the old and put on the new. Um, the Israelites in the Old Covenant weren't uh, spiritually cleansed um, in a real sense by their worship. But Christ's sacrifice does cleanse us of guilty consciences. We'll find that in Hebrews 10. Uh, in the Old Covenant, there was this outward, uh, arduous obedience to the law uh, by which you um, did everything you did in the Old Covenant before God. Now in the New Covenant, Christ obeys the law perfectly for us. And we obey the law, but after Christ has already taken away its curse. So we're not under that shadow anymore as they were in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, um, the covenant depended upon Israel's obedience. Uh, the New Covenant under Christ depends on Christ's obedience. And he was perfectly obedient in his life and death. In the Old Covenant, we had blessings and cursing. In the New Covenant, as believers, uh, regenerate and uh, redeemed by the Holy Spirit, we enjoy forgiveness and the fatherly discipline of, of our Lord. Uh, in the Old Covenant, Israel broke it and failed it. In the New Covenant, Christ keeps it and applies it to us as though we did it. So, verse 9, it's not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. They did not continue in my covenant. They, uh, they did not stay. They did not remain. They did not endure or uh, continue in obedience to me, basically, the Lord is saying. And so I showed them no concern. I neglected and disregarded them because ultimately they weren't redeemed. And, um, the, again, the, the worship and sacrifice of the Old Covenant, um, the Lord did work through those, but they by themselves were not sufficient to change the heart and renew the mind. And so the Old Covenant failed. It was, it was based upon um, the, the worshipers bringing a sacrifice in faith, which they may not have had, but even then it was, it was based on a quality of looking forward to something rather than enjoying the finished product or that something uh, brought to completion. So the Old Covenant failed. And so that was the Old Covenant and its failure. You have your outlines. I forgot to mention them. Uh, our our title today for the sermon is basically part two of God's grand new covenant and as in chapter 8 it's all about the old and new covenant so uh, here in these verses we're quoting from Jeremiah 31 and we see here first of all the old covenant and its failure and we're about to move into the second part which is the new covenant and its superiority so in chapter 7, we talked about, again, the, the priesthood of Christ and Levi. 
this chapter is about the covenant, the new and the old and the new covenant. And then next week in chapter 9, we'll start to, we'll go back to a discussion about the priesthoods again, the, the, old, the old priesthood and Christ's new supreme priesthood as our king priest. But secondly, the new covenant and its superiority, verses 10 through 13. The Lord continues here from Jeremiah 31, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, again, some of this was still true for the old covenants, um, but everything, in a sense, changes, even though some of the ideas and um, um, concepts stay the same. There are no more tablets of stone or scrolls, um, basically, that the people depend on. Uh, We have the transformed heart and the renewed mind now after the finished work of Christ. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Um, We don't have to go to a temple where God resides. Now, we go to church, but, you know, in the New Covenant, uh, we can go anywhere we want be anywhere to worship the Lord together. It doesn't have to be at a particular spot where God has said, I am. Um, The Lord promises here, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will will be my people. Now we're going to we're going to refer to how God puts their laws and his laws into our minds and writes them in our hearts and how he is our God in a, in a more complete and ultimate way. Um, the Old Testament priests um, could teach, but <clears throat> not the way the Holy Spirit teaches now uh, through the, um, the heart and to the mind through regeneration. It was kind of like during the Reformation that the, the Catholic Church would would teach, but often they would lead the worship in in uh, Latin. People wouldn't understand what was going on, and um, people depended upon uh, the priest to teach them. But now, um, here in in the New Testament Church. We enjoy the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Matthew Henry is quoted on this um, with regard to um, the way the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, puts his laws into our minds, into the church's minds, and writes them in our hearts. He says this, uh, God once at one time wrote laws to them. Now he will write his laws in them. That is, he will give them understanding to know and to believe his law. He will give them memories to retain them. He will give them hearts to love them and consciences to recognize them. He will give them courage to profess them and power to put them in practice. The whole habit and frame of their souls shall be a table and transcript of the law of God. This is the foundation of the covenant. And when this is laid, duty will be done wisely, sincerely, readily, easily, resolutely, constantly, and comfortably. And this is the new covenant. It's 
you know, in a in a certain way, it's it's digital, not analog. It's it it doesn't come to us through the necessary physical um, um, scaffolding that it did in the old covenant that was passing away through tablets and scrolls and tabernacles and temples. But now, um, shall I say, wirelessly through a trans- transformed heart and a renewing mind, the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord puts his laws into his redeemed people's minds and hearts now. And this comes out in verse 11. They shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. The Holy Spirit will teach the church through the word. Turn with me to John 15. I'm, I'm sorry, John 16. John 16 at verse 7. This is uh, one part of the upper room discourse. Uh, Jesus is speaking about things to come to his disciples. He says, I tell you the truth, verse 7, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now, or bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he he hears he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. And he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So you see here that the one of the main uh, purposes of the Holy Spirit coming to us after the finished work of Christ is to teach. And... The church never had that before, uh, the finished work of Jesus. Um, There was just the priests. But now we have the Holy Spirit that comes in uh, behind the finished work of Christ and and completes what is begun. So it's a beautiful beautiful truth and uh, a beautiful reality for, for us now under the new covenant. There's no need for a faithful remnant. Um, people, all covenant partners in, in the church will know Christ and will will uh, learn of Christ, obviously in church, in the preaching and teaching ministry of the church, but that's basically a ministry of the Holy Spirit. One commentator even noticed, have you ever wondered why the Old Testament is so much longer and bigger than the New Testament. Well, because of all those laws and rules and Levitical laws and uh, expectations uh, for obedience in the Old Covenant. It's it's a long, drawn-out process of, of history, of law, of poetry and prose that, that kind of lays out the uh, the old covenant expectations and necessitates at the same time the coming of 
of he, our Lord Jesus, who would bring all that to a conclusion as he fulfills it and then uh, applies and administrates a better covenant. So that was a that was an interesting observation one commentator made. But also, I I love Matthew Henry on most everything, and he he commented on this aspect as well about the Holy Spirit teaching that we won't be have, have to teach each other so much as um, the Holy Spirit will teach us. But he says this: <clears throat> the old dispensation was shadowy, dark, ritual, and less understood. Their priests preached, but seldom, and but a few at a time, and the Spirit of God was more sparingly given out. But under the new dispensation, there shall be such an abundance of of public qualified preachers of the gospel and dispensers of ordinances statedly in the solemn assemblies, and so great a flocking to them as doves to their windows, and such a plentiful effusion of the Spirit of God to make the administration of the gospel effectual, that there shall be a mighty increase in spreading of Christian knowledge in persons of all sorts, of each sex, and of all ages. Of that this promise might be fulfilled in our days, that the hand of God may be with his ministers, that a great number may believe and be turned to the Lord. You think of all the advances and things that... It, that make the gospel um, more powerful and um, how the Spirit uses it in the world today to redeem and to to bring in the kingdom and to sanctify the church. We live in a very special time, a very privileged time, beloved, and we should enjoy it and appreciate uh, what we have and the time that we're in. And even in an ultimate sense, our sins... Uh, verse 12, for I will merciful, I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. There's a, qualifi- a qualitative difference between the remission of sin before the person of Christ in his finished ministry than afterwards. Even though the Old Testament saints were forgiven of their sins by faith bringing their sacrifices, uh, it's credit to them as righteousness because ultimately of our Lord Jesus. But it was before Jesus. We live this side of the finished work of Jesus afterwards. Uh, we live in uh, the time after Christ's finished justifying work. The church's sins are finally and for all time effectively removed. It really is a, a greater covenant And we really do have a greater supreme high priest than the Old Testament saints ever enjoyed or ever had. So finally, in speaking of a new covenant then, verse 13, he makes the first one obsolete, God does. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The old came to an end. It grew old, could no longer and really never accomplished um, the justification of of its people. Christ did that, ultimately. But ultimately, the Old Covenant, I've said this before, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant ended at the death of Christ. So even as the New Testament begins, you're still in the Old Testament age of sacrifices at the temple and high priests and such. When Christ dies, the the curtain is torn in in the temple from top to bottom. 
and the Old Testament comes to an end. The Old Covenant comes to an end there. And the New Covenant begins in his life, death, and resurrection. Um, The First Covenant becomes obsolete. Well, he makes the first one obsolete. And then as it becomes obsolete, and that word obsolete means to become old or wear out, or depending on its tenses and uh, moods here, to make old or to make out of date. Uh, We make fun of, uh, we get a laugh usually every time we go down to Troy to my in-laws because uh, Martha and Earl have a lot of food in their their big refrigerator, and and some of it is... is, uh, pretty outdated it's um, badly out of date there's some things we wouldn't even open because uh, some of it is upwards of a year um, out of date the date is a year old so think of that next time you, you find something in your fridge that you just need to take out and throw in the trash can because it's not going to do you any good it's grown old it's lost its effect and it's dead, basically. And what is becoming obsolete, this is the last sentence of our text of the chapter, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The growing old there is a, is a word, a verb in the Greek, from which we get geriatric. So geritol, the, the vitamin supplement, uh, geriatric, geriatric ward, uh, is is where the old folks are. Uh, the old folk, uh, the old folk home, the geriatric ward. Uh, it, it basically means the verb basically means to reach the unproductive age of life. It's to reach a point in life where you're basically unproductive. Now, I don't know where where that really is for anybody, but and you have to define productive, but. Um, Old, we can understand. But the Old Covenant was old. It had uh, it lost its... It really never had a justifying influence in God's people. The Lord took the sacrifices and accepted them based on the coming, finished work of His Son. But it was never a ministry, it was never a priesthood that was going to to eternally justify anyone. That's why we... In, Rejoice in our Lord Jesus and his finished work and at the table where uh, the blood and the death of Christ and not that of a ram or a lamb does cleanse and justify us. He went to the cross, took our sin debt and our guilt with him and he removed it from us there for all time like lambs and rams could never have done before. So we celebrate this new covenant and our great high priest, our Lord Jesus, that administrates it and our God who brought all this to bear for his people and his church to make us right in his presence again. Be encouraged, beloved. Uh, Enjoy your day and the upcoming week. And for those of you who are still out, we we hope to see you soon. For anyone sick at home today, we pray you get better. For anyone listening out there, We pray God's blessings upon you and his word in your heart and mind. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week.